0: Welcome to the Well Women Co. podcast, and thanks for tuning in to the Word First series, a series of short weekly Bible studies to build up your faith and refresh your soul to live in freedom, joy, and peace. The storm is raging around us, and without an anchor for our soul, we'll find ourselves tossed to and fro by the latest controversy or conspiracy. We're not promised the kind of peace the world craves, which is described as tranquil and free of conflict. However, the Father does promise to give a peace that cannot be taken away no matter the circumstance we find ourselves in. John 1 reveals that Jesus was the word and that word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is still the word today and his spirit that dwells inside of us brings the words we read on the pages alive in our hearts. Word First series is the practice of cultivating a lifestyle in which we look to him first to satisfy us fulfill our desires and provide for us and guide for us. A word first lifestyle is knowing how to apply his living words in our everyday lives and deepening our trust in God to keep his promises. My desire for you is to find this place of refuge in the Father, and from the place of security in Jesus, walk in greater levels of authority and steadfast purpose throughout your days. If your soul is weary or sad, if you're stuck in the middle waiting for promises to be fulfilled, if you feel confused as to where you're headed, you're in the right place. So thanks for joining us in this Word Verse series. Let's dig in. Today's episode is sponsored by our free six steps to a miracle morning guide. This beautiful and short ebook is my secret miracle morning routine that I do every morning, okay, almost, without fail. Since implementing these six simple steps each morning, I get more done. I respond versus react when things don't go as planned. I reach my goals quicker and with ease, and I live each day with clarity and intention about how I can fulfill my purpose each day. The best part is that I've learned how to engage my faith and activate the Word of God. Not only am I accomplishing more of what matters, I'm becoming more like the woman I want to be. Each step is simple, takes only a few minutes, and putting them altogether feels like magic. So grab your free guide at wellwomenco.com or in today's show notes. Get your free six steps to a miracle morning guide ebook download right on your computer or device at wellwomenco.com or in the show notes. I promise if you don't already, you're going to love mornings again. Become who God created you to be and do the stuff you're called to do. Grab your free guide now at wellwomenco.com or in the show notes. Well, welcome back to today's edition of our Word First series. And today we're going to be talking about four keys of kingdom unity. And if you have a heartbeat, you know that the topic of unity seems to be at an all-time high right now, although the reality of unity seems to be the opposite. And as believers in Christ, this is one of our primary objectives to model to the world and the church hasn't done the greatest job, in my opinion, of doing this. The church has not done the greatest job of modeling unity, which is one of our primary roles in the earth. And in fact, I believe because the church's disunity in many ways, culture has just followed suit. So why is unity so under attack? Well, I'll tell you, because the enemy knows it's the only thing holding us back from fully displaying the Father's glory on earth. So before we get into these keys of kingdom unity that I believe will help to give you language around cultivating unity, not only in your own life, but fighting for it in your church, in your spheres, and in the places that the Lord has put you, I wanna bring our attention back to Genesis with a story that displays the power of unity and the potential that we have as human beings when we actually unite, and where it went wrong originally, okay? Again, in this series, I love going back to the beginning and looking like, what's the original design of unity? What was the Lord's original intent around this topic? And so I want to bring our attention to Genesis 11, and I'm going to skim through this story that maybe you're familiar with called the Tower of Babel. Okay, so I'm going to read this short story with you, and then I'm going to highlight the profound components of this story and why unity is so critical for us today. So it says this, at one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language and they used the same words. So can you imagine that? like a world where everyone spoke the same language. I mean, I feel like with technology today, we're almost getting to that point with translators and technology where we have that in a sense. But think of the ease and think of how fast ideas would multiply if there was like unity in language. And that's literally how the world began. At one time, the world spoke the same language and the same words. As the people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia and settled there. They began saying to each other, let's make bricks and harden them with fire. In this region, bricks were used instead of stone and tar was used for mortar. Then they said, come, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. But the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower the people were building. Look, he said, the people are united and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Come, let's go down and confuse the people with different languages. Then they won't be able to understand each other. In that way the Lord scattered them all over the world and they stopped building the city. That is why the city was called Babel because that is where the Lord confused the people with different languages. In this way, he scattered them all over the world. So get this picture. God up in heaven is watching this thing take place and he is watching the people come together in unity. And the God of the universe, the creator of all, sees this. And he's like, "Uh uh-oh, we've got a problem. SOS, we got to do something about this. Because he said there is nothing that will be impossible for them because they are united. But the problem was that they were united around the wrong thing. They were united around this idea of like, we want to be famous, and we want to be powerful, and we essentially want to take the place and become God and not serve God. And so he knew he had to step in, like he intervened, he got off his throne, went down, scattered the people by giving them different languages so that they cannot be in unity. So if you think about that, that is profound. The level of of power that unity brings. And so let's jump into the New Testament because clearly God's heart for us, his people is to be united. Even though in the Old Testament, in this story, he had to actually bring disunity so that they wouldn't destroy themselves, right? And the New Testament, we see the story at Pentecost, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Remember when all the disciples after Jesus was crucified. The disciples were in the upper room and they were waiting. Jesus said, you need to wait for the Holy Spirit. And the disciples all began speaking the same language again in the upper room at Pentecost. I think there was over 120 of them in that room. So what Jesus did at Pentecost after he was crucified and rose again, is Jesus purchased back the ability to live in unity once again. I mean, that's literally the greatest miracle of all time. If you get a people, this people in a group uh, together in a room, you know whether it's 10 people or 120 people, it is a miracle to get them truly united on something, isn't it? Because we all have so many different opinions. But this is the reality that Jesus purchased that back for us. And although there's still many different languages in our world, through the Holy Spirit, He gave us one language, the heavenly language that every believer has access to speak. And this brings unity in the spirit. And so this is a crazy thing, right? Because there's people probably in your church, in your family, at your school, your work, your neighborhood that you don't agree with. So the question is like, well, then how does this thing work? Like, how do we actually live in peace with one another? Is it even possible? Is it even possible to truly live in unity? And I'll tell you, yes, it is possible to live in unity, but that unity has to be based on the kingdom of God, right? because without the kingdom, without Jesus, there cannot be true unity. So let's dive into like, what is kingdom unity then? Well, Ephesians 4, 1-5 actually spells this out for us. It says, Therefore, a prisoner of the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. So I believe we are in a season, collectively, as believers, where we have to refocus and regather. Like it is time to refocus and regather. We have to put off distractions and we have to refocus on our mission amidst the sifting because there is a sifting happening around us. There is wild things happening around us. Like never before you think of culturally, morally, politically, um, where our nation is headed. You know, if we were to know where we would be five years ago, a lot of us probably wouldn't even have believed it. But there's this expediting that's happening in the world and in the spirit of God. And it's time to refocus and regather like I mentioned. And when it, when we talk about kingdom unity, it goes back to we can only have true unity when we come together as believers to say, hey, we have a lot of differing opinions. We have a lot of different perspectives and backgrounds, but this is the thing we can agree on. There is one God There is one faith, like one way to heaven. There is one baptism. There's one God and Father. There's one spirit. There's one body, right? And Jesus is the head. And so these are the things when things get really dicey and confusing. When you are in church with someone who you have absolutely zero seemingly common ground with them. If you can come together and say, hey, we believe in these things that at the end of the day, this is the absolute truth that there's one God, one faith, one baptism, etc., then you guys will be able to be in unity and maintain, because it says eagerly maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. You'll be able to rally around that foundation rather than needing to agree in all of your opinions. And so that's a great setup and foundation to like what actually is kingdom unity. And kingdom unity is just that, what it lays out in Ephesians 4. So let's dive into these four keys of kingdom unity. The first key is this. We have to learn and grow in maturity to see with spiritual eyes. So what do I mean by seeing with spiritual eyes, right? It doesn't mean that you close your eyes and you're just like trying to see things in your imagination, okay? Second Corinthians 5, 16 and 17 says this. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. That is profound. So we must learn to see each other and ourselves. P.S. It starts with seeing ourselves correctly according to the spirit. Because when we get this understanding and this revelation that, wow, literally, I have brothers and sisters in Christ. They're not my blood brothers and sisters. They're not related by blood, but they're related in the spirit. They're my brothers and my sisters, and I'm going to spend eternity with them. When we start to get this perspective about those around us, then why would I ever want to seek to hurt or speak against a brother or sister? I have one younger sister and one older brother, and I love them and why would i ever want to use my words to discredit them why would i ever want to bring shame to them why would i ever want to talk down to them they're my family like i want to naturally build them up because they're part of my family so it's the same thing in the family of god and so we have to remember that each one of us have been made a new creation in christ and so although we make mistakes Although we're not perfect, there's missteps that happen, there's misunderstanding that happens, we have to constantly remind ourselves that when someone around us that we love disappoints us or lets us down, or maybe we see them believing something that, you know, to us is really difficult to digest... We have to remember that, hey, they are a new creation in Christ. And so I'm going to choose to see them with spiritual eyes and see their potential, to see the gold inside of them, to see the man or woman that God has declared them to be instead of who they are. Um, you know, how they're acting or how they're coming across or um, managing themselves. I'm going to choose to believe the best about them based on what the word of God says about them. And the hope is that people do this to us too, right? Because I don't have, I have hard days. Like I let my friends down. And when I do that, I'm so grateful that I have friends and community who see me after the spirit. They don't just judge me by what I look like on the outside or what I do all the time. Matthew 22:39 39 says, love your neighbor as yourself. So here's a huge key. You can only love others to the degree you love yourself. That's extremely humbling. So take a quick little inventory. Like, how are you loving yourself right now? Like, how are you able to accept yourself right now? Your gifts, even your flaws, even your weaknesses, the things that maybe you don't love about yourself, Maybe even the strengths, are you able to accept them? Because we can only love others to the degree we love ourselves. And that's really, really humbling. And when we talk about seeing with spiritual eyes, it proves that we're Christ's disciples. John 13:35 says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. That is also powerful. So when we see each other with spiritual eyes, it's literally proving to the world around us that we're Jesus disciples. And what I started with at the beginning, remember of how the church in many ways, historically has not done a great job of being united because there's a million different denominations and a million different doctrine tweaks and angles and thought processes, right? And so the world is looking for a model The world is looking for an example of like, what does kingdom unity even mean? What is the meaning of unity? And so when we as believers step up in our rightful role and demonstrate this love for one another because we're seeing each other after the spirit with spiritual eyes and not judging by just what our physical eyes see, this actually proves to the world and gives them a model to follow after. So that's number one, seeing with spiritual eyes. So second key is unity is not having the same opinion. It's having the same position in Christ. So this is where so many of us, including myself, get it wrong because it's easy to think that, well, unity means that we both think the same way. We both have the same opinions on certain things. But that's not kingdom unity. That would be maybe a definition that the world would give of unity, of having to believe and celebrate the same things. But in the kingdom, it's having the same position in Christ. So what do I mean by that? In Psalm 91.1, it says, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And that is a position in Christ. That is a position that you and I, if we've given ourselves to the Lord, we have the choice to be in this position with the Lord, which is getting close to him. And in this verse in Psalm 91, the shelter, the shadow of the Almighty, that means that we have to get close to him, right? That means we have to be living a life of holiness, of being set apart, where we are leaning in to the Father and we're not scared away. We're not doing the stiff arm because of shame or condemnation or certain lifestyles, but we're actually choosing to lean into the father, which means we're close to him, which means that our life looks like him, which means that our attitude and the way, how we think reflects how he's thinking and reflects the mind of Christ. It's like staying hot. You know, I think of Jesus is, he, his, his eyes are filled with fire. You know, his throne, the, the throne in the throne room of heaven is described as the floor is like sapphire and fire. And so there's this idea, you know, about the Father and and God that is so holy and this refiner's fire, right? That when something is burned, only what is pure remains. And it's the same with us. When we get close to God, like he purifies us. And it's a beautiful process because he is holy, says, be holy as I am holy. And so when we start to talk about unity it's realizing that my I'm united with someone because they're choosing to be close to God, too. And they're in the throne room, too. They're in the shadow of the Almighty. They're living within the shadow of the Almighty. And I want to live in the shadow of the Almighty. You know, it says that we're a new creation in Christ, that we're seated with Christ in the heavenly places. That talks about that in Ephesians. Well, when I realize that my brothers and sisters in Christ are seated with me, with Christ in the heavenly places, all of a sudden, all the piddly little opinions and things that we have controversies over in this world don't matter anymore because we realize, okay, we're both on the same team. We both have the same position in Christ. And so we're going to cheer each other on and encourage each other to, to remain in our position in Christ. Does that make sense? I hope so. <laughs> Because it's so important that unity is not having the same opinion. It's having the same position in Christ. And again, this is probably the definition the world would use of like having to have the same opinion or think the same way to have true unity, but that's not the truth. So the third key of kingdom unity is this, to find, identify, and unite with your brothers and sisters in Christ in this hour. I said it earlier, but I believe we are in a season of shifting and sifting, and I believe that the Lord is rising up and raising up a generation of people who are sold out for his kingdom and a generation of people who are willing to pay the price, a generation of people who are willing to get close and get near to his heart so he can reveal the hidden and secret things in this hour to advance the kingdom of God on the earth and to display his glory in a powerful, powerful way the world is waiting for. And I love in Matthew 12, Jesus asked, there was one of his disciples was outside and they said, hey, Jesus, your mom is here. Your brother and sister are here. Like they want to see you. And Jesus replied to this disciple. He says, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And then he pointed, Jesus pointed to his disciples and said, look, these are my brother and my mother. Anyone who does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. And so Jesus gives us a little glimpse here of like, okay, how do we find community? How do we create a united um, tribe around us? And he's saying, yes, this is my biological mother and this is my biological brother. But really those who I call family are those he says, who does the will of my father in heaven. And so I would encourage you, like it is time to get serious about finding, identify, and uniting, like reaching out to your brothers and sisters in Christ in this hour. And Jesus actually did it in this verse. He said, then he pointed, he reached out, some of his translations said, he reached out his hand to his uh, disciples. And he said, look, there they are. And so there's this this um responsibility we have as believers that we can't just wait for people to come to us and say hey do you want to be my friend hey do you want to be my prayer partner whatever that is like we actually have to reach out to them so I encourage you like right now like who are those people in your life that are doing the will of the father and when we ask ourselves okay well what does that mean? What is doing the will of the father? Well the will of the father is praying for the sick of having the mind of Christ of using our words, like it talks about in James, to build people out, to speak blessing out of our mouth instead of cursing, you know, not gossiping, being filled with the fruit of the spirit, um, raising the dead, like casting out devils, all of these things, making disciples. All of these things are things that the Lord talks about in the word as far as the Father's will for us. Remember John 10:10. super simply, Jesus came to give life and life abundantly. So when you look at the people in your life right now and do a quick inventory like are these people who are doing the will of God? Like are they searching after him? Are they ask are they inviting him into every part of their lives? Because these are the people that you're going to want to reach out to, spend time with, invest into and cultivate this unity so that you guys can link arms together and do exploits for the kingdom. It's not just to have a comfy, cushy life or to have great friend group. It's like, because there's a mission that he has for you guys. There's an assignment when people come together in unity, there's an assignment that the Lord has for you. So start to ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, who have you put in my life in this season to link arms with? and. That we can manifest this kingdom unity that you talk about in your word to the world around us. The last key of kingdom unity is this. Unity's mission in the kingdom is reconciliation. So we just talked about the purpose of unity within a group of people, within the body of Christ, is for a purpose. It's not just so we can have a happy connected life. And this purpose is spelled out super clearly in the word and it's reconciliation. What does that mean? We've talked about that in previous episodes, but I'll read it again. In 2 Corinthians five twenty, it says, we are ambassadors of the anointed one who carry the message of Christ to the world as though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. So we tenderly plead with you on Christ's behalf, turn back to God and be reconciled to him. Here's the deal. There is a lot of pain and a lot of hurting people everywhere. (laughs) There's a lot of problems in culture. There's a lot of problems morally. um, When we look at education or healthcare or government or the marketplace, like there's a lot of opportunities, right? For solutions, for kingdom solutions. And so we are literally the ambassadors of heaven because God is in heaven. He gave us the spirit of Jesus to dwell within us. And sometimes I feel like we're waiting for God to do these big, mighty miracle works, miraculous works, right? And, but what he's actually asking us to do is like, hey, I want to do the works through you. Like you are quite literally my hands. You are quite literally my lips that I want to speak through to the people that I long To bring into my family, right? So we have to remember that our job is to see problems. So if you're getting fatigued with problems or hurt or pain with those around you, remember that you are literally anointed to see these problems and not just see them and carry them, but bring kingdom solutions. And this comes and is manifested through and when we have unity, because when the church is unified, Jesus can actually come back. Like, this is what this whole thing is going towards. Like, Jesus wants to come back. He he is coming back. He says extremely clearly in his word that he is coming back for a beautiful, perfected bride. And this can only happen when the church is unified. Ephesians 4.13 says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the, knowledge of the son of God to the mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So the Lord is literally waiting for us to get things in gear in a sense. He's like literally waiting for us to understand and walk in this kingdom unity. Ephesians, another verse in Ephesians 4 says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up into We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so it builds itself up in love. So the result of kingdom unity, of true kingdom unity, is love it's mutual edification and it's maturing into Jesus Christ. So when I'm unified with you, I am calling out who God's called you to be and you're doing the same for me. There's this there's this true love that says I want I would lay down my life for you. I'm not trying to manipulate you or get my way. I'm truly laying down my life for you so that you can become all you are to be and you're doing the same for me. There's an edification that happens. And then we become more like Jesus as a corporate body, which is so beautiful. And then the father's like, okay, Jesus, it's time. Like they're united. And that's what all of our hearts are truly longing for is like to be caught up with Jesus, to go to heaven, to have him, our savior, come back into the world. And so that's what we're building toward. Like that's the end goal really of unity when it comes to this earth realm. And so a few questions for you today when it comes to this topic of kingdom unity are, what are areas that you can take steps into mature into unity? Are you pursuing relationships right now? Are you looking for your brothers and sisters in Christ? Are you calling out the gold in them? Um, Are you focusing more on the things that you can have unity in in the Lord? Or are you focusing more on opinions and perspectives? I would ask you and myself, how can we begin to see ourselves with spiritual eyes? Because remember, we can only love our neighbor to the d- degree we love ourselves. And so it would ask us, like, how can we see ourselves with these spiritual eyes that we are truly a new creation in Christ? And how can we get a vision for who he's made us to be, which is so powerful and beautiful and wonderful, where we can see others then with the same spiritual eyes and perspective? Who is the Lord inviting you into um, relationship with in this season? And do you have them already around you? Do you feel like the Lord is highlighting um, others that you can reach out to and you can begin to model this kingdom unity within that group of people so that you can do that to the world around you? Um, Maybe what ways have you falsely believed unity is? What are some of the definitions the world might Have of unity, like agreeing upon the same thing, having the same perspective, having the same mindset? Are there different ideas around unity that you've believed as true, but maybe aren't? And the last question I'd ask us is how can we unite with others to bring about reconciliation? So, what would it look like to be in a community and in a context where we are truly pursuing this kingdom unity in such a way? Where we become ambassadors of heaven, and we become agents of reconciliation wherever we are, like this group, I just see it—you know—going forth in the marketplace, going forth in communities, going forth with r- racial reconciliation, um, going forth in education, going forth in healthcare. Like wherever He's placed you, what would that look like to be an agent of reconciliation? Because you are pursuing kingdom unity first. And so I want to encourage you, like pursue this unity first, pursue a right perspective of the Lord, a right perspective of yourself and a right perspective of others first. And the result of this will be reconciliation. The result of this will be literally being a bridge to the world around you that brings heaven's solution, that brings the love of God into these areas and brings healing where there's so much pain and so much confusion, and so much turmoil. And so I just want to bless you in that today and acknowledge that this is a journey, right? I'm on the journey myself, but it's something that the Lord's been highlighting to me recently, because if we don't get this, like I said, then the Lord can not come back, right? Like literally he is waiting for his enemies to become his footstool. And so there's a responsibility we have as believers to take up the mantle, to literally be his hands, be his feet. And so I want us to get it in this generation. I don't want us to have to wait and go around the mountain again and again with the next several generations. Like, I want to get it now. I want to understand and have a greater revelation of what is kingdom unity now in my life and how can I pursue that so that the church and the body of Christ as a whole is literally ready, making ourselves ready for the Lord to come back. And so I hope today was encouraging for you. I know it might be a little deep or a little like, wow, that's, that's intense. You know, like we're talking about Jesus coming back and we're talking about kingdom unity and, you know, believing there's one God, one baptism, one spirit. And, um, but I think if we really allow our hearts to be opened up to this truth, then it will change things for us. And, you know, we'll be able to live in a greater level of peace in the midst of what seems like so much disunity in our world around us. And we'll actually have a blueprint to offer people like this is what unity is. It's this, it's not that. So, again, thanks for spending your time with me. It means so much. Um, as always, I love when you tag me at Well Co. Let me know where you're listening in from. Let me know what topics are um, most impactful for you in this season. Writing a review on Apple Music so more wa- more women can grab hold of this life giving message it means so much when you leave those reviews um, to me. Because remember, I'm recording this like by myself, and so I can't see facial expressions. I can't see body language. And sometimes it's challenging. So I'm like, do you understand? Do you get this? Should I keep explaining? Or I'm just going to trust that you're going to get it, right? So that means so much to me. And then lastly, head over to wellmanco.com for other resources. You can grab your free six steps to a miracle morning guide. Um, I love this resource. And so many women have been saying the same. So thanks for spending a few minutes of your time with me today. Bless you. I just encourage you that you are an ambassador of Christ. And you are a woman who carries this kingdom unity wherever you go. So you are worthy of being well. You are beautiful on the inside and out. And I can't wait to chat with you next time.